recorded live right here at the KMAX Studios located in Connecticut and also in association with California, yay, with my good buddy, Doug. How you doing, Doug? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, are you Kevin or Zerb on this show? I should be the Pappy. Okay, that's right, because this is the Pappy and the Pastor, so you are the Pappy, right. which is your word for uh, Grandpa, and I am the Pastor, and uh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Pappy? I'm doing darn good. I slept nice and late, and I am so perky that I'm drinking tea instead of coffee. Wonderful. So that's good. And we are in episode one titled Who, What, and Where of the Pastor and the Pappy. We hope you enjoy. What the show is about is basically we finished doing a show together called The Dumb Things I Did as a Kid, and we said, I would love to do a show with you again because you and I are very, very close friends. And uh-huh. uh, it was actually your idea to come up with the pastor, something with pastoral. Is that a word? Uh, it, it is now. I make up words all the time. So, <laughs> so I guess I made it up. Yeah. Pastorical, which is actually what it should be and we call them we call them mccoyisms McCoy-isms. at our at our church and the people are you know they're they're used to me saying i don't think this is a word my computer says it's not <laughs> but i'm going to go with it anyway well your pesturbical words will come out and yes. i'm going to be the pappy and and it's basically our views on current events current topics pop culture events pop culture topics and the days of then topics. Today's show we decided to cover. We're talking about some current events and just some realities of life with a spiritual focus. Very true. So now we're going to go on and tell you a little bit about who, what, and where. I guess what folks really want to know is the spiritual side of my life, I think. For my other podcast, they know a lot about the secular side of my life, my growing up in the 80s and being influenced by the media and the uh, materials of the uh, 80s. But as far as the spiritual side, which really is the bigger and more emphasized side of my life goes, um, well, I guess I've been a believer in God ever since I was born. I can't ever remember not believing in God. Uh, my faith was you know, instilled in me by my, my parents. Uh, my mom and grandma used to sing what I call the sweet songs of the faith to me. There are several hymns uh, that they used to sing. Uh, one was called uh, Something Beautiful, which really is kind of the theme song of my life, uh, written by the Gaithers. Um, Dad uh, then came along when I was a little older and provided uh, you know more direction and said, not only is there a God that you can believe in, but there's also uh, service to that God, participation with that God, some responsibilities, duties. So I became more of a committed uh, believer through that. Eventually, uh, I started to preach. I preached my first sermon when I was 14. They had a uh, youth night at church. We had Sunday morning and Sunday night services for those that aren't uh, familiar with, you know, the kind of uh, Protestant evangelical way of doing church in the Midwest. You have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So Sunday night, you often did different things. They had youth night, and I was the most attentive one, I guess. They picked me (laughs) and said, you do a sermon. Dad wrote it for me, so I just delivered what he said. Next year, same thing, except this time I wrote the sermon, you know, I just by myself. Didn't write it very well. The way Dad showed me how to write sermons was what is what's called a topical style, where he just had a concordance. He said, you just go through the concordance, find a topic you like, and three verses in the Bible that are about that topic, and that's what you talk about. And that's not how I do it today, but that's how I did it. And right. after, after this sermon, some lady came forward and wanted to rededicate her life, and I was standing at the front, and I was gesturing – to say, because I'm up there in the front and I don't know what to do. And it probably looked to people like I was saying, hey, come on down and receive the Lord Jesus, you know. And really, I was trying to get my dad. I was like, help, dad, help. I need you to come down here and deal with this woman because I don't know what to do, you know. <laughs> um, so the people start saying, you ought to be a preacher. I still wanted to be a novelist, a, a writer, an author, and kind of rejected that. But when I lost my uh, part time job after 
uh, you know, graduating. I was going to community college. I had a part-time job at Sears Warehouse, uh, uh, which serviced the Sears catalog. We all know what happened to the Sears catalog. Yeah. Uh, so I was the last hired, therefore the first fired. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And uh, I started thinking about the ministry. I, I had already by this time, they had, they had given me a, a class called the Little Lambs. They were like first and second graders to teach. Yeah. And as I was teaching these kids, I said, man, I, I ought to at least have read the Bible. So I would come home from work every day and read a good portion of the Bible. And so in less than a year, I read the entire thing through. And then I, I said, well, what if I thought about ministry? You know, because you're still writing, you're still creative. Went to Bible college. There's, you know, a whole lot of stories there about how, you know, I went from being, you know, kind of lackadaisical to committed, but uh, began preaching full time when I was 19 years old in Bible college every Sunday. And I've never stopped since. So that's what? What's 42 minus 19? How many years is that? I don't know. That's more 87. than Is it really 87 years I've been preaching that long? Negative 80. Now, that's a long time. Yeah, well, see, that's why I entered ministry because I can't do math. But um, <laughs> I've only I've only been you know through college I was you know just a fill in preacher at dozens of churches to where people would come up to me like at the mall and so forth and be oh you're such a great preacher and I'm like yeah and you great guy <laughs> you know not, not knowing who they are um, but eventually I started being the interim preacher to where I was coming back every Sunday for one congregation. And then an interim preacher for another congregation, just filling in longer term until they found somebody. And uh, then I I became a associate pastor at a little church that I loved very much. But they were literally a one stoplight town in the middle of the cornfields in Ohio. Uh, graduated, ended up becoming a, a full time minister in, in the year two thousand with one church uh, in a, a, a little small place in Ohio that does play a huge role in the NFL because the NFL started when the uh, train tracks were laid to that town. That town was called Crestline. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh, their dad, came from there and, and took Crestline High School to the uh, national championship or state championship, I guess. Um, stayed there for seven years, a good long time. Most ministries are about three years or less. I stayed there seven years. Decided to go as far as I could go, ended up in California. I've been here at the same church for eight years. Uh, so um, I've uh, I've memorized all the epistles uh, of the New Testament. So Romans to Jude, I have memorized, which is not that great. There's people that have memorized the Psalms. There's people that have memorized Isaiah. I can't even come close to that. But I have memorized the epistles, and I recite one every day. So uh, that, in addition to my other daily Bible reading, I'm pretty well versed in the Scripture, and I think I have a you know pretty good but never comprehensive grasp on uh, the things and the ways of God. Awesome! Wow! Yeah. And I'm were the you pappy. expecting all of that? Yeah. Were you <laughs> were you wanting to get hit with all of that? I'm not sure. No, no. That's very, very, very thorough. Yes. And 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 I am the pappy. I grew up. In Arlington, Virginia, we went to a Catholic church. I went to a Catholic school. Uh, Didn't make it too far. Made it up to about fifth grade, and you can hear all of that and dumb things I did as a kid. Yes. Um, And then from there, went to public schools. And being uh, Catholic was kind of rough because in in public schools, there really weren't that many religious-type folks in the public schools, especially around the Arlington, Virginia area, the D.C. area that I grew up. From there, I went off to high school in in Arlington, Virginia, in a public school, and and really didn't stay with the church. It kind of fell away. And uh, I got back into the church the older I got in my 20s, got closer again to God in the way that I grew up with certain aspects of the Catholic faith. And again, it wavered back and forth all of my life to, to now, where I feel closer to God than I ever have been, but I'm not really following any type of denominational okay. uh, pattern except for what I learned growing up Catholic. There are certain ways of the Catholic beliefs that I, I truly believe in. Confession I completely understand, and it's mm-hmm. the act of more than the confession itself. Going to church on Sundays, of course. Um, the meat beef on Friday thing I don't quite follow. The uh, I'm, I've been known to be the cafeteria Catholic who goes down with the tray, and I'll pick certain items and put it on the cart. Other items I'll put away. And uh, and my religious be- belief and my religious views 
vary so much. And uh, I have a lot of arguments. And then I have a lot of thankfulness. I mean, I've been saved so many times at, in in dire emergencies all the way up to, to mild decisions on what to do in life. And I truly believe that I have been directed by God on what to do. I believe that all three entities are one, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that I'm, I, I can't really say ashamed, but I feel like I'm lacking, which I need to do, is the fact that I've lost my way with the church aspect of, of religion itself or, or faith itself. I feel like I owe more to visiting the house of God than what I've done so far. Mm-hmm. And that's something I need to work on. And then also, I feel that... Uh, that I could go outside in the woods and start praying, and that would be the house of God at that moment. You know, there's that aspect as well. But I'm, I, I get skeptic on which is right and which is wrong in that realm, which is why I thought this would be a great show to do, because we can cover all kinds of topics and all kinds of events that are going on either currently or in the past and look at them with a religious, a faith-based, and a non-faith-based view and combine them together to come up with some kind of uh, answer to how to accept, judge, not judge, or receive these issues. So when we first started talking about this, you had used a term, and I can't remember what it was now. That was, I think, way back when we recorded an episode on The Thing, the John Carpenter movie, The Thing. And I think you... You used a term. I don't know if it was cafeteria Catholic, which you just used. I don't think you called yourself a lapsed Catholic, but do you consider yourself to be a Catholic? Would you say I am a Catholic Christian or would you say I'm a Christian who's following the ways of Catholicism? How would you describe it? That I cannot answer. I oh, honestly well, can't. It's so 50-50. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm down the middle in between, the fine line between both. Because um, for me to be fully Catholic, of course, you have to go through the uh, confirmation, which I haven't done. Oh, okay. And uh, I've had my communion, my first communion. I had my first Friday, I think they call it. And I've been baptized Catholic. And uh, if my mom's present, I'm 100% Catholic. If my mom's not present, um, I think I'd be the lapsed Catholic, I think. Okay. But my my core beliefs do follow that old-fashioned, solemn church you know, the, everybody's sure. just sitting, waiting patiently for the next word from the priest. That, for me, is so comforting, Beca- right. and I don't know why. And then I go to a Baptist church, and everybody's going, woohoo, and jumping up and down, and that right. is so invigorating, but it doesn't sure. take away from what I grew up with, you know? Yeah. And it's like they're I, almost the same with different clothes on. <laughs> you know I think I mean? that's what you told me when we, you know, when we talked about that you know, a couple years ago, maybe even three, four years ago now, I can't remember, but you said, you know, even if I disagree with the church on some ways that I find value or comfort or uh, there's something attractive and something effective about the church for you. Exactly. So you you bring that angle, which is largely alien to me. Now, I'm not like an anti-Catholic guy. Right. I'm not one of those guys that says, you know, the Pope is the whore of Babylon or from right. Revelation, you know, or whatever crazy stuff, you know, people say. Um, I'm more like you, though, in the sense that if you try to put a label on me, I'm more than likely to reject it. You know, if, if you say, are you a Protestant Christian you know, I'm going to say, well, if you have to call me something, that might be true, but I don't consider myself that. If you say, you know, are you an evangelical? Um, if, again, if you need a label, maybe, but I don't really consider myself. I merely consider myself a follower of Jesus. Now, once you choose that, you then, well, how do you follow Jesus? Yeah. And, and I like what you're saying when you're saying to follow Jesus in the quiet church with the ritual and stuff, that works for me. And I see that in the Baptist church with the hollering and the clapping, that works for them. And that's and and I really do believe that. I, I believe, you know, you know, the, my, the famous McCoy saying is that's why God made chocolate and vanilla. I don't really believe there's one way to, you know, one only right way. I believe that the Lord wants us to be followers of Jesus and how you follow Jesus is, you know, up for compromise, up for haggling, you know. Yeah. So, I understand but, that completely. 
the, the two different points of view, I think, are really going to be more of a help than a hindrance to us because, again, our core question is how do we live? That's the, the core question of this podcast. How do we live as followers of Jesus in whatever context, whatever situation we're in, you know, facing all the cultural things, the societal things that we face? And I think having our two perspectives is going to contribute to that discussion. Definitely. And please, um, if you are the ones who uh, want to listen and then judge us immediately— the email is file13 at whogivesacrap.com. Leave us alone. Please don't bother. We, we're just two guys trying to keep in touch with each other on what we find interesting to discuss. And since I respect Doug highly and love Doug highly because we are very close friends and he loves me the same. And we, we don't judge each other on what we believe in at all. We really don't. It's very quite similar, but at the same time, we respect each other's differences if there is any and we try to ask that you do the same Please yeah don't, if don't if, if anybody us. has a question i'm more than happy to answer genuine honest sincere questions if somebody yes. wants to try to prove a point and expose me as a heretic well there's probably easier ways to do that than debating with me and i'm not interested in debates anyway so yeah you could really save your time i'm not going to engage in that if you got an honest question i'll answer to the best of my ability and say, here's what I think based on scripture, tradition, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, I mean, I'm going to be honest and say there's tons of stuff I'm certainly, you know, inaccurate about, at, at least partially, if not completely. Inaccurate is yeah. my middle name. Yeah, so. I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I'm not going to compromise on that. But anything else, I'm kind of like, you know, Mac, not Macbeth, Hamlet, where, you know, there's more things in the world than dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. So I don't think I, I don't think I got well the market said. cornered. I don't think you've got the market cornered. We're not here to debate uh, points. We're here to just say, here's how I'm trying to live life as a follower of Christ right now. Amen. And uh, there is a stop button. So remember that. <laughs> if you don't like it, we love you. See ya. But Unsubscribe like does exist. That's right. You can vote with your feet. I, we might... We might vote in kind, you know. Kick some rocks, though. But No, I'm kidding. I don't want to be that rude. We would like you to stay. And, and hey, you want to discuss a cultural artifact? I do want to discuss a culture. Now that we've set up ourselves in more ways than one, we've set up ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but now that we've set up ourselves in the show, yeah, let's do a cultural artifact. Let's go for it. And now it's time for the cultural artifact. What did you pick there, my buddy? Well, uh, we uh, skimmed. Um, I'm, I'm a Kindle user, uh, by the way. Everybody else right now is super excited about the new iPhone. I'm super excited because the new Kindle comes out today, but I'm a Kindle user. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in the uh, Silk browser, which I don't really care for on the Kindle, they have a, a now trending on Bing. So we looked at that and it said, on this day. Uh, September 21st, and several things happened on this day uh, that year. One was that Benedict Arnold, uh, it says, it just says Benedict Arnold's treason. I don't know if this is the day he committed his act of treason or if this is the day he was caught for it. Uh, but uh, uh, this day has some importance to Benedict Arnold's acts of treason, which probably the most famous act of treason. We're all very familiar with that. Now, I'm just uh, familiar with his eggs. I love his eggs. And I really have no clue about the act of treason because, like I've said before, I don't think I, I got that far in school where we talked about Benedict Arnold. I've always known him as a joke or his eggs. Yeah. Apparently he um, lied about something, right? I think he gave away – again, this is all very vague, and I don't remember anything from school. Um, I've been – close to the spot in Sleepy Hollow, New York, there's a tree where I don't think he was taken, but I think some of his men were taken, or maybe the men that were carrying his tree. Like, I think he sent plans. I think he sent plans for a fort to the British, and the men that were carrying these plans for him were taken at this tree at Sleepy Hollow, and then, you know, you follow the trail back, and, and they find him and catch him. But really, the most I know about him probably comes from that show Turn, Washington Spies, is that on AMC or so? I didn't even watch the second season, yeah. but I think he starts to come into it and, you know, you, you see his rationale for the treason or what they think is his rationale. So, yeah, I don't know much, but I think that's what it is. I think he gave he plans to the British out. about it. Yeah. 
also on this day, uh, a couple centuries later, maybe a century and a half later, I'm not sure, 1937, The Hobbit was published in London. That's a big deal because of the acting that has happened lately with Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit movies. Yeah, and so the, the Hobbit was the first, yeah. which in my opinion reads more like a kid's you know, book, a young adult book maybe, and then you get The Lord of the Rings, which is – you know, a Shakespearean epic almost. Um, But, you know, you wouldn't have the second without the first. Have you ever read The Hobbit? In school, we were given The Hobbit. I I doubt I made it far into it. I know that it was written by Tolkien, and that's it. I I saw a little bit of the movie even, and I didn't get far with that as well. I'm no fan of the movie, let me say say that. that I I think the movie just... Is the book better? (laughs) Oh, the book's way better. The first movie was great. It was in the second, third one that I think they started to derail, uh, whereas I love the Lord of the Rings movies, and I, mm-hmm. and I love the Lord of the Rings books. I did not read them for years in, until 2000, until after 2000. I became aware of them in high school when my friend was reading a parody book called Board of the Rings. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he was, I was like, well, what is that? And he was like, well, there's this book called Lord of the Rings and people love it and they learn to talk Elvish and I'm like what no that's not for me you know that was uh, you know one of uh, when the race that's Elvish right there go ahead yeah it's, it's gotta be but um, <laughs> you know that was probably my first experience with fandom uh, so for that reason I kind of you know overlooked the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings I didn't want anything to do with them because fandom was not in vogue back then the way that it is now um when the movies came out, I said, hey, I, I want to read the books first. So I read each book before each movie. Mm-hmm. What, going to see the movie, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're fighting Satan. You know, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, fell in love. Uh, is uh, Went and saw it twice in the theater. Just absolutely loved it. Um, and then went and saw, you know, Two Towers and Return of the King, you know, opening day as soon as they came out. Oh, of course. Um, then went back and read The Hobbit. And I love that. There's a, there's a part of The Hobbit – the the ending of the book, which I think is is really great, you know, when everything's coming to its resolution and Bilbo is surveying all that's happened and he says something like, have I done all this? And Gandalf says, no, of course not. You're still a very small man, Bilbo Baggins. And uh, he says, well, thanks be to, for that. You know, in other yeah. words, I acknowledge that I'm a small man and I'm happy with that. Yeah. You know, I, I played my part in a big, big story. It's a small part, but it's a big, big story. And um Tolkien, of course, was a believer, a Catholic believer, I think. Friends mm-hmm. with C.S. Lewis, uh, one of my personal heroes, um, wrote many great books like the Narnia series. Oh, okay. The great Divorce, The Screw Tape Letters. Yeah, they were part of a group together called the Inklings. And um, clearly there are you know Christian themes to it. Tolkien said he didn't write it to be like – a Christian analogy, but those ideas come through anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I believe him. I mean, you take what the author says. I think he's you know, the final authority on that. But I, I love the Lord of the Rings. Um, I just, I really can't imagine there being anything better. Uh, I've read, you know, other fantasy books like the Shannara series and so forth. Uh, I mean, it really seems to me, and I don't know, but it seems to me like they're using the Lord of the Rings as a template. But uh, I can't imagine anything better than uh, the Lord of the Rings. If there is some better. Then Lord of Rings, I don't know what it would be. I certainly don't think it's Game of Thrones, that's for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. So. Much, much different than than Lord of the Rings. I, I've not watched it. I've heard there's unedifying things in it, so I've not seen it. But uh, also on this day in 1970, a football tradition starts. Uh, this was the beginning of Monday Night Football. So oh. uh, Monday Night – yeah, Monday Night Football started in 1970. It's been going ever since. I love – Monday Night Football. What about you? I used to love football until the Redskins just depressed me so much. And uh, and then I started getting all political with football because of the uh, pay scale. And, oh, yeah. And that bothered me a lot. So I've gone to um, rugby in other countries as long as it's not televised. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like football very much. Um, in fact, I might become, unfortunately, don't tell my friends this, but I might become a patriot because I'm New England now. Hey, I'm a Patriots fan. I be, I became a Patriots fan. I didn't want to be, you know, growing up in Columbus, Ohio, you're yeah. in between Cincinnati and Cleveland. Yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want to pick either the Browns or Bengals and get involved in that fight. So I said I'm just going to pick somebody and I just picked New England and they were no good at that time and now, you know, they are what they are. Of course, you know, being from Columbus, Ohio, I'm also a, a Buckeyes fan, Ohio State Buckeyes, and you know, they're coming out 
this year saying they're the best team. You know, ESPN's been like, OSU is dominating and all this stuff. So it's a good year. for uh, You know, I think, uh, was it two years ago that, you know, I love football, college football, and arena football. Yeah. And the Patriots won the Super Bowl. The Buckeyes won the first ever, ever playoff national championship. And the Sabercats, my Arena Bowl team, won the Arena Bowl when I was there to see it. And uh, so I had a great football year. But, yeah, it's nice on a Monday. It, it makes Mondays a lot nicer to just come home, get some chili, and uh, uh, watch Monday yeah. night football. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad they started that tradition. So For me, it was the bratwursts. So getting bratwurst. My wife would put it out there on the grill, cook up the bratwurst. We sit there and just pig out on chips, bratwurst, maybe a beer, and watch a football game. Nothing. Yeah, it's uh, there's nothing. I I don't think baseball. I don't think basketball compares. I, there's something about football that just just does it for me. So so now should we kick into spiritual? Yeah, sure. Oh, wait, there's one more thing we got to add. I forgot. Okay. Well, don't forget one more thing there, Doug. Today is what's the, that? Today's the first day of fall. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> my favorite season of the you know September Same here. December. Is uh, my favorite? Uh, not qu- it's not a quarter. What is it when you have three? It's my favorite third of the year. Yeah. Um, all the burrs, the burr months. You know, you've got football. You've got the Scottish games, which I love. You've got um, apple picking, apple picking, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas at the end, which is more winter. But you've got uh, the harvest, all the pumpkin spice goodness. <laughs> Technically tomorrow, I think, but close enough. Fall starts for me Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend is when I tell my wife, "Let's <laughs> let's put the decorations up." You know, it's it's autumn, and um, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, on that. we always have a New Year's Eve party, you know, at the church, and it's been my tradition for the past several years that I always bring the trash out when we're, you know, we've we, it's hit midnight. We've all celebrated. We're ready to go home. We clean up. I take the trash out to go throw it in our dumpster, and I look up at the night sky. And I'm just so sad because there's nothing else that I love for another six, what is it, six, nine months? Yeah, that's true. Eight months, right? Yeah. yeah. Eight, there's nothing else. I mean, arena football helps. <laughs> Easter is okay. You know, Fourth of July is okay. I love love what they stand for. But nothing hits me emotionally like September to December. And when it's over, I just look at the night sky on, on New Year's Eve night or I guess the early morning of the first, you know, first day of the year. And I just say, there's nothing else I'm going to like for another eight months. Yeah, for me, it's that harvest moon. Nothing like the harvest moon. As soon as I see that, it's on, baby. That's it. Yeah. Well, you want to go over some spiritual applications of what we just discussed. Let's do some spiritual application. And now it's time for... The spiritual application. So the three items that we've discussed so far have to do with hobbits going out on fall and playing football with Benedict Arnold. Yes. We want to see if there's any spiritual value to these things, if they contribute in any way to our walk with God, or if they take away in any way from our walk with God. Amen. Definitely. So what we're going to do is start with Benedict Arnold. And aside from thanking God for the eggs that are on the planet, what can we say about this that would definitely interpret it in such a Christian way? Yeah, it's kind of hard because I don't know his whole story and I don't like to, uh, I I don't want to condemn people that don't deserve to be condemned. I don't want to praise people that, you know, don't deserve to be praised. And we have a lot of that in our society. I I always try to be fair is what I'm saying. But, you know, going on. Yeah. And, but I do, there, there has to have been, I mean, he was on our side, right? He was a legitimate patriot at first. I don't think he was always a double agent. So you do wonder what led him into this. And so it reminds me of God, you know, speaking to Cain, where, you know, you had the the Cain and Abel incident. We're all familiar with that. Is that the Genesis 4, I think? And um, But God says to Cain, you know, Cain's mad and God comes and says, sin is crouching at your door. It seeks to devour you, and you must master it. And he did not do that and uh, instead decided to alleviate his frustration by killing his brother, and that worked out great for everybody involved. Um, I, I have to wonder if it's not the same way with Benedict Arnold. I mean, you know, sin is crouching at your door. 
and and then maybe he didn't even see it as sin. You know, I mean, it's in in politics. I don't. I mean, all of us seem to react pretty strongly to traitorism. You know, but but right. nationalism hasn't always existed the way that it exists now. And I could understand somebody saying, "Hey." I don't agree with this country and I'm going to, you know, that's, I mean, that's your choice and then I'll try to stop you, <laughs> you know, but, right. um, I, I still have to think there was probably some process in his life where sin, sinful temptation, hatred, anger, jealousy, bitterness, whatever is eating away at him. And he ultimately gives into it and look at what it cost him. Look at what it cost the guys around him. Yeah. Um, you know, forever your aim, your, your name is not only associated with eggs, but with being a traitor. So um, that's what it reminds me of. Is there anything else for you? Well, I was thinking when you were talking about that, as, as a matter of fact, I'm definitely agreeing with you. But at the same time, and I'll even get proof, mm-hmm. everything kind of turned out for the great because I drink Newcastle. And, right. and that comes from Britain. Um, no, in, in serious notes, he, again, I wasn't too smart on him in the beginning. I've always associated with him strictly with eggs and being a liar. Therefore, uh, that would tell me that he obviously did something wrong, like you said. You know, sure. God sure. knows what he was thinking, what he was doing. I could only hope that he he understood the the uh, severeness of his of his evils and and was able to uh, you know clean it up before he right passed on. Now, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard anybody say? I've heard Christians say this. I don't think any, you know, in my circle, but I've heard, you know, people, you know, Christians say that America is an illegitimate country because it started with rebellion. And Paul tells us in Romans thirteen, we're not to rebel; we're to submit to the government. Have you ever heard anything like that? Uh, no, I have not. But I, I, there are times, especially with my own mind, that I could understand the illegitimate part. Yeah, I mean, civil disobedience is always a difficult thing. And, and we have examples of civil disobedience in the Bible. I mean, the apostles were civilly disobedient when they were told, stop preaching Jesus' name, and they said no. So, uh, you know, all of these things are... are, are di- I, I, my, my point in bringing that up is this. Life is complex. Yes. Uh, and so, I mean, that's the whole reason for this podcast, to say, here's the right and here's the wrong is not at all easy. And I watched a, a press conference today. I won't say what it was about, but I took a very different view uh, of the from the people who were leading the press conference. And yet they started with a prayer and they started praying the same thing I pray, which is your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, I, I truly believe God's God wants to bring his kingdom to earth, that, that Jesus was trying to get us to submit to the will of God and bring the will of God to earth as it, as it is in heaven. So these people are claiming that same thing, and yet they're on the exact opposite side yeah. of the fence as me. So it's very hard to look at this and say, you know, here, you know, America was absolutely right. I mean, I believe when America says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among these life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Here, here. Eight, Yes, amen to that. I, I, that's a shining star on the face of the planet. If that makes America wholly great, I don't know, but it's certainly that's one great thing about America. So I'm not anti-American at all. I, I, I you know, God bless the USA is, yeah. is, well, what is if, me. But what if that was written today? How do you think? How do you <laughs> think that would have gone? Yeah, I'm not a big believer in our society today. I, I do believe the forefathers were superior to us in some ways. I'm not sure we would say that today because it is clear that we don't believe it today. I mean, yeah. you know, we point to racism, sexism, all these things we we call, but it's very clear that people in our society on both sides of any issue hate and think less of the people on the other side of the issue. They True. they do not have you know, disagreements. They hate anybody who disagrees with them. Uh, when Phyllis Schlafly just died, I mean, I don't, I don't care what you think about her politics. There were people saying, oh, good, she's descended to hell where she belongs. That's that's tremendously terrible. Yeah, it's just uh, juvenile and, and Yeah, and stupid. so just... I don't believe people would say that today. I, I hope that we live up to it today. And I understand that we've had trouble living up to it. And, you know, God forgive us. Let's forgive each other. We've had trouble living up to it, but we're trying. I think that's a lot better than other countries that aren't even trying at all. Yeah. Still, though, all of these things are very complex. And so, you know, did Benedict Arnold do the wrong thing? Did he make the wrong decision? I don't know. But I think the real 
where the real meat of this is, the real issue is, is what's in your heart. What is it that made you do what you did? You know, if, if you, yeah, yeah, if you believe that you know socialism is the best economic policy, you know, there was a kid in my one of my classes in in college. I remember him saying, "Theoretical socialism is the best government that there is." Okay, if you honestly believe that, that's one thing. If you believe that just because you want to see those rich fat cats get theirs, blah, 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 and I hate those rich people. No, that's something completely different. So I I look at Benedict Arnold and my big question is what is your motive? Not just what your action is. Maybe you thought your action was right, but what was your motive? Was it hatred? Was it jealousy? Was it envy? Or was it – this is what I think is right, you know? Um, Of course we're going to think anybody who does anything against American interests is wrong. And that very, very well may be true. But my question is always, what's your, what's your motive? And I think behind ugly things, there's ugly motives. We need to have Benedict on the show. So he can, can we interview him? Can that, we get him in? That would be great, but I, I've been yeah. calling and nobody's answering. <sighs> so about the, uh, the second item that we discussed. Uh, you know, The Hobbit, uh, as as I said, I, I think clearly there are Christian themes, dozens of Christian themes, and, um, you know, all of Tolkien's, you know, mythology from the Cimmerillion to, you know, Return of the King um, that speak to me, mm. um, man, I don't even know that I could identify all of them other than to say, you know, when I, I you know what, let me, let me just do one. Um, and I mentioned this in my sermon this Sunday. My favorite part of Lord of the Rings is in the third movie where Theoden, the king of Rohan, has been trying to stay out of the great battle. There's a great battle between good and evil, darkness and light, Gondor versus Mordor, and he just doesn't want to get involved. So there comes that time where Gandalf gets um, Pippin, I think, to light the signal flares in Gondor. And yeah. they, all across the mountaintops, these lights go up, and finally Aragorn sees it, and he rushes into uh Theoden's Hall, and he says, Gondor calls for aid. And there's just that moment where everybody's just looking at Theoden, you know, what is he going to do? And he says, and Rohan will answer. And so, you know, he finally, it's not easy. It's the hard thing to do. It's not what he wanted to do, but he finally did what was right to do. And and he lost his life doing it. But then he says to, um, I forget the name of the uh, Miranda Otto's character, Miranda Otto is going to be in Annabelle 2, by the way. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah. <laughs> Can't handle it. Can't handle it. I know. But, you you um, survived the Blair Witch, though. How was that? I, I did survive the Blair Witch. <laughs> there, there was a moment in that that terrified me beyond belief. I mean, I have never gone back to see the original because I'm so terrified of it. How did they talk uh, you into that? It's it's just my buddy, and now that I've had you know, now that I got a five year old, we don't get time. We used to go see movies all the time, yeah. And it, it was just spur of the moment. He was like, "Dude, Blair Witch, seven twenty, let's do it." And I was like, "Okay," but um, <laughs> but uh, so whoever Miranda Otto's character is, he says to her, "Now I will not be ashamed when I stand in the mighty company of my forefathers, because you know you convinced me to do what was right, even though it was hard." And I think that's one big theme that is true of the faith. I mean, you look at Paul, and you know, Paul says, I, "You know, uh, three times uh, I, I was beaten with rods; five times I received the forty lashes minus one. I was shipwrecked; I was stoned; I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I'm genuine, yet I'm regarded as an apostle. I'm I'm ki- uh, dying, yet I live on. I'm beaten, yet not yet killed. I'm I'm poor, yet possessing everything. You know, I mean, look at what he went through, and he did that because it was right and." Um, that is the way of the kingdom. That is the way of faith, that you do the hard thing. Um, even though it's hard, you do it because it's right. So that's one thing of many that I can take from Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Cimmerillion. I just I take the massive talent of both oh my the, the writer and the actress. I'm sorry, the actresses. Yes. The actors and the actresses. And then the cinematography and the work that's gone into yes. those epic films. And you know, they kept with it, you know. They kept yeah. with the the story of the book. They kept with the uh, the visuals of the book, and that's something hard to do. And they made it around the right time. And who who better to do that than the director, whose name Peter? Oh God, Jackson. Thank you, Peter Jackson. Jackson. I was going to say uh, yeah. Tito, but it's okay. And yeah, the the immense measures of even just recreating land in Sweden 
just mm. <laughs> building the entire yeah. thing instead of doing it all on computers. Yeah. Um, and and I think that they fell apart a little bit with The Hobbit. I'm, I'm not sure why, you know, they they elaborated so much on some things and just eliminated other crucial things. I'm not sure why they did, you know, that, that the talk with Smog was so condensed and the the battle, you know, in Bardstown was so elaborate. And I'm like, why are you doing this? But no, the, the original three, you're right. I mean, I can't imagine a better job on those not but but back to Tolkien himself I'm not a scholar but I've heard that man he I mean he plotted and he did this before computers he plots it out and it's so perfectly timed and so yeah. perfectly detailed that there's things that cross over you know I think there's a part where Frodo thinks he sees a, a, a eagle going through the sky and that was really Gandalf escaping from uh, Saruman and and all this stuff and and he invented you know languages I mean just the yeah the talent is incredible absolutely and incredible. D- wasn't Tolkien uh, um, uh, on the set of most of the films there so he could no I believe he was gone long before they started filming then I forget think. it forget I yeah that, Kevin how it pertains spiritually for me mm-hmm. um, there's no cursing in the film no, that's mm-hmm. not. That's a cheap answer. Is that true? Uh, that's probably true, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think there is any cursing. I don't think they cursed in Tolkien's time when yeah. <laughs> he was writing. Um, well, I'll just go back to what I was saying: is that it's just the 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 immense work that went into it, and it, it was just so beautiful. And it's just that's something that each person who worked and acted and and made that film definitely used every ounce of their god-given talents to make it perfect sure and 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 that's what it is god-given talent and that's that's where i find the spiritual application to this it's just that it's so immense and i and i do i own all three of the rings films and i've seen them about 80 times and each time i watch them i find a hundred things i missed the first 20 times i saw them Mm -hmm. and it's just a constant flow of how beautiful it is and how well it was done probably some of the best cinema in movie history yeah i i really is it they're about the last things i've ever liked in the theater because we're not oh yeah i i watched london has fallen it was on netflix and i was like are you i mean i'm all for america but talk about rah rah machismo you know it's just (laughs) come on you know, I've been to Machismo. It's a great, great place. Yeah, you can get free pizza there on Sundays. <laughs> so, what about football? Do you see uh, any spiritual application? Any spiritual challenge in uh, football? The Hail Mary pass. Oh, and the immaculate reception. That's true. <laughs> no, you've never heard that before. The immaculate no. reception. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. It, in a Steelers game, a guy caught the ball off his shoe. They call that the immaculate reception. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, you there's have a, to look it up. Look up immaculate reception. There, there is a ton of uh, uh, a spiritual application of that. Would be, of course, every game they're praying down in the last couple of minutes. Uh, it's to me, it's the the hoping prayers. I I hope after that that they just oh forget it all. And then the next uh, next game is like, oh, God, remember me? I'm back. All right. We really need this touchdown. If I well, get this, I get another three mil. Can yeah. you please help me with you know, that? <laughs> that, again, though, is a good point. Because I've heard some people say, you know, why are these guys praying? Does God really care about the outcome of the game? But if these guys, you know, so a couple things. First of all, if these guys are his followers, his children, of course he cares. Yeah. Now, he, you know, if there's two children, if there's children on each team, he can't give both of them what they want. And that's how hard it is to be God, right? I right. mean, so so a couple of things there. But um, also, I one of the things, it is great to see these guys, you know, pointing to the sky, giving honor to God, Tebowing, you know, whatever it is they do. <laughs> yeah. that, that indicates, yeah. You know, I, I think Peyton Manning said, I want to thank God after his Super Bowl win or something. At the other, you know, you can really see the flaws of these guys as well. Yeah. You know, we know, as you say, they're overpaid. We know a lot of them are arrogant. A lot of them are, you know, involved in things they shouldn't be. But who is that not true of? You know, I mean, again, life is a complex thing. I genuinely love Jesus, but I'm also a a genuine knucklehead at Mm -hmm. times and treat my wife as she shouldn't be treated, treat my daughter as she shouldn't be treated, treat other people as they should be treated, which all that is the root of all sin. All sin is that it hurts somebody 
in some way, yeah. even if you're not aware. And you, or yourself you know, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and yourself too. And you may not be aware of it, just like I wasn't aware for years that drinking Pepsi would cause my teeth to rot, but I'm very aware of it now. You right. know, you, you may not be aware of it at the time, but it does that, you know. So, yeah. you know, I, I try not to point the thing. Again, I'm human too, and I'm like, oh, yes, I'm Christian. You are. But honestly, if you were on the big screen Jumbotron for three or four hours, how many flaws would we see in you? You know, so I try to give these guys a little bit of a pass. And I just appreciate uh, get it. Fact. Yes. Oh, but I'm <laughs> didn't catch that one. But I try to give him a little bit of, of a pass instead of a tackle. Yeah, and uh, you know, say hey, you know, I'm imperfect as well. I'm at least glad that they're bringing. It. I think it's also interesting that here, guys in the trenches, you know, express faith in God. It's a lot easy when you're in your ivory tower. It's pretty easy to talk about how there is no God, and uh, when you're there on the street, that's and that's what I really like that you see street guys. They yeah. say, I believe there's a creator, you know, even if yeah. I'm not following him the way I should, I believe there's a creator. My, my whole thing is also, um, and this is a conversation I've had with my mom recently. Uh, I could not find the remote for my TV. Who am I supposed to pray to? Right, right. St. Anthony. And to help me find my remote. Now, this I'm going to uh, connect to the football thing. I, I can understand, you know, God help me make this, you know, give me the physical strength to do. Mm-hmm. That I can understand. Help us win the game. I know it's money to them, but they do have enough. Uh, I I told my mom. I said I don't want, and and I believe in the saints. That's that's something else that most people don't believe in. That that you can pray to saints. A lot of people pray directly to God, which I do too. But uh, I'm not going to pray to Saint Anthony because I lost my remote. I'll pray to Saint Anthony if Caitlin, my daughter cannot be found that's something that i think sure. would be a little more sure. important than me finding something that i could just walk over to the tv and change with my okay team. so so let me let me can i challenge you a little bit please okay so i but when god speak i believe god speaks to us i believe everything he says is either an invitation in which he's pulling us to him mm-hmm. or it's a challenge in which he's pushing us to become better a lot of times these two are combined so jesus says you are my friends that's invitation, you know. Right. Look, you're you're not just my subjects, my servants. You're my friends. He also says, "Take up your cross and follow me." That's a challenge. So when we talk about these things, there's a degree of challenge. So I was at a pastor's retreat one time, and some of these guys believe in healing, you know, and, and some don't. So there's one pastor there, and he's like, you know, anybody's like, hey, anybody need healing? He's like, you know, my back hurts a little bit, but I'm not really injured. I don't think we need to to bother God about something like that. And this one guy who is really theologically different from me, and yet every once in a while says something brilliant, he says, why do you think God doesn't want to give something good to his child? Why do you think God is poor? Why do you think God is a God of scarcity rather than a God of abundance? And so when you look at that, you know, these guys, these guys want to win the game. Why wouldn't that be important to God? Why, why wouldn't God care about what his child wants and want to give it to him? Now, again, if there's two children, you know, if they're children on both sides, he can't, he can't give it to both of them. But why wouldn't he care? Oh, I'm not saying he wouldn't care right, about right. my remote that's stuffed down into the couch. Right. And, and honestly, I, I'll retract that. I don't think he cares about the remote stuck down in the couch. I think he'll care about my frustration trying to find it. Exactly. But... Uh, Again, the the level of frustration for a remote cannot compare to the level of frustration when my daughter's missing. Sure, and, sure. Well, and you're 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 right. I would but, think, that, but does does the fact that I'm super hungry after fasting for forty days nullify the fact that I'm kind of hungry after I haven't eaten for five hours? And wouldn't wouldn't a father care about both? He would care about both, but wouldn't you think the emergency would lie in the person who hasn't eaten for forty days? Did you say forty sure. days? Yeah, not that I've ever fasted for forty days. Jesus did. I've, I've never followed my Lord like that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I would. And see, that's and again, the, please send emails to 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 Doug. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can take it. I can handle it. I can hit. Delete. But I think, and I think you. That's probably something that uh, that we differ with because yeah, I I if you haven't eaten in five hours, you know, have a Snickers. And uh, there you go. But uh, I can't understand the, 
the, See, the I, weight of the other situation, which yeah, obviously I, is heavy, heavy. I, I used to feel that way. I remember, you know, there were people like, again, Wednesday night prayer meeting. And so you come in and for those that aren't familiar with the Protestant, you know, ways and you say, um, OK, who has a prayer need? And somebody says, well, you know, we're having surgery, we're having you know, uh, financial trouble, whatever. And somebody says, well, my, I, I'm concerned about my dog. And my mom would always be like, we shouldn't pray to God about a dog. And I've just had a change of heart about that because, you know, behind the dog, there's a person that God loves that does have very strong feelings. And whether God cares about the dog or not, I'm sure he cares about that person's feelings. But also consider this. Uh, we have this thing every year called Praise in the Park. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a multi-church thing, you know, we're uh, multi-denominational. And so we have a group that's a lot of different denominations come together. But for this thing, even people that won't normally meet with us, they will come and be a part of it. And they're always asking me to come. And I don't want to because it's hot. It happens in August and the parking is terrible. But Mandisa was going to be there this year. And Aubrey and Heather wanted to see Mandisa and the other pastors want to be there. So I start to drive there and I'm just, I'm upset because I'm like, I don't want to park. And we're pulling in the garage. I'm like, Lord, you know, please, I don't want to be here. Please give me a parking space. Boom. There it was. You know, okay. and I know there's a part of me that wants to say, does God really spend his time giving you parking spaces? But there's another part that of me that wants to say it was bigger than just the parking space. It was my tension. It was my trying to uh, meet the needs of my wife and daughter. It was my wondering if God actually does meet my needs. So I think there was more to it than just. Oh, it's a parking space. And, and so I don't think the father is bothered by his children asking him for things, whether they're great or small. I always wonder if it's uh, – and I'm agreeing with you quite a bit on that. Um, sure. the, uh, I always wonder if it's something like uh, you have one guy – just like you said earlier, this kind of matches your, your, your scenario you said earlier, but just like the guy who's in Iraq right now. And mm-hmm. he's about to save a platoon and, and ultimately the entire country because so-and-so is getting on a plane with a massive nuclear explosive device. And he right. has a shot, shot lined up. And, uh, you know, you know, God, please help me get that. Well, this is a bad example. No, no, that's a perfect example. Okay, God, so help, God, help God help me, me get that. Somebody. And then another person yeah. on the other side of the country like me is like, you know, can you please help me find my keys? I'm going to be late for work. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, even beyond football games, I've heard of Christians killing Christians, you know, in, in war. And so, you know, I, it, there were Christians in Germany in World War II, and there were Christians in the Allied forces, you know. Yeah. Um, so I understand what you're saying. It, it looks to us like one side is, you know, like one concern is weightier than another. Right. And maybe, maybe they are. But God is infinite. So nothing is too big or too small for him. I think he's concerned about his children. And so I do think he's concerned about whether or not these guys win because, you know, again, their, their finances are in a, and their finances look pretty solid to us, but you know, their finances are a part of it. Their health is a part of it. Their family is a part of it. So I I do think those a may be weightier than what we think they are, but B I don't think that matters as much to God because he's infinite and he's not going to run out of energy or resources. Yeah. Yeah. You don't run out of infinites, (laughs) but, um, I think it's, you know, is this person, um, you know, does God care about what they need? So interesting. I'm, I'm, thank you. I kind of get that. I could get it better, but I kind of get that. And now, the moral of the show. Doug, I've summed, yes. I've summed it all up. Okay. I, I'm interested in hearing this because I'm beyond summation at this point. <laughs> we, we, have, we have wandered near and far, and I knew I was you know, supposed to summarize somehow, and I'm at a loss. So do it for me, please. Well, number one, don't lie. That's yes. just the bottom thing. Don't lie. Don't try to cheat. Don't try to you know ruin something for either... Uh, self-gain or or gain of approval or you know uh, that's what i learned from the benedict arnold um just enjoy the eggs as they come don't try to make them sunny side up or scrambled get them the way you can be glad you had them in the first place number two enjoy the talent of J.R. token the man was a genius Mm -hmm. and number three every value is matched in the eyes of god 
It's just a matter of uh, making sure that whatever you're asking for is asked for through God, and it should be achieved the way that his will will be done. I think that's a great uh, moral. I think that's a great summation. And uh, really, I don't have that much to add to it. I'm not really one of those pastors that needs to keep preaching, even though I sure do talk a lot. So, (laughs) yeah, I I want that on a billboard right there. Yes. There's some guys that are worse than me, let me tell you. But uh, no, I think that is great. And, uh, you know, hey, we succeeded. We pulled spiritual lessons out of everyday situations. And that's what the walk with God is. Amen to that. And this is fun. I really, really enjoy doing this. Yeah, it's been great. And I learned a bit. And that's one one thing I love about you, by the way. You've helped me quite a bit spiritually trying to keep in line in times where I have fallen out. So I thank you for that. And I look forward to doing more of these shows because it's definitely going to help. Hey, well, thank you very much for saying that. And I look forward to uh, doing some more as well and hope that it's helpful in some way uh, to uh, anybody else uh, out there. Definitely. Definitely. And remember, you can email... Uh, just send emails to instrumentally at gmail.com for myself. And if you want to email Doug, you can reach him at scotsman129 at gmail.com. And there you go. Guess what? It's time for you to pick. Tonight's closing hymn. Go for it, buddy. Yeah, so just like any good church service, we have a, a, a closing hymn, a final song. I don't know if it's really an invitation as much as it is a conclusion. But uh, for our first episode, there is no better final hymn than Amazing Grace. Uh, yeah. Maybe not the most technically wonderful hymn that exists, but just about the best hymn that yeah. exists. So we're going to go with Amazing Grace, but we're going to do an Amazing Grace that is very close to my heart. I've already mentioned the Scottish Games. They happen uh, every Labor Day weekend in Pleasanton, California. They're the largest Scottish Games uh, outside of Scotland, and they're just down the street from me, and it's wonderful. And so I go every year. Doug it's Scottish. Gonna, Sorry. I am Scottish, Sorry, uh, of ahead. Scottish descent. If, if uh, uh, Douglas McCoy, you can't get much. I, <laughs> no, I, you can't. I, I did go see a guy in the hospital one time whose name was Wallace Campbell. And I'm like, yeah, you're a little more Scottish than me. But <laughs> Douglas McCoy Wally. is fully oh, yeah. Scottish name. And um, so uh, I, we go to the Scottish Games every year. It's one of the high points of the year for my family. And they always end by having all the pipers, all the bagpipe bands gather on the field. There was about 600 not 600 bands, but 600 pipers and drummers on the field for the closing ceremonies. And they always end with amazing grace. And again, where all those people stand with the Lord, how they're walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord, I don't know. But the people hum it. The people cry. I cry. It is, again, C.S. Lewis would criticize the lyrics of Amazing Grace. They are very simple, but they're true and beautiful. So we're going to end the show tonight with the bagpipe, Pleasanton Scottish Games version of Amazing Grace.
All of Zerbinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zerbinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Zerbinator Land, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372. Hey, Doug, just go ahead and yap-a-dap. How you doing? I'm doing good. Me too. Keep Excuse me, Doug. Excuse me, Doug. Excuse me, Doug, you fresh. So the way the guy told me, he, he said it goes, he says, he said it went, Excuse me, Doug. Excuse me, Doug. Excuse me, Doug. You fresh all. And I always thought that until Ferg sent that song. And the way it goes in the song is, excuse me, Dougie fresh, which I like actually better. And then know? what does he say after that? Um, then Dougie fresh comes in. like, like they're acting like they're getting ready to go on a show. So slick Rick, who sounds exactly like yeah. Hump from digital underground. I, mean, I know I what you mean. He guy. sounds all the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> but, um, He's like, excuse me, Dougie Fresh. And yes. Dougie Fresh is like, you know. And the other guy goes, yes. And then, I remember that. Yeah.